Hey guys, Pastor Matt Chandler here. Uh, one of the themes that comes out in The Overcomers over and over and over again is the centrality of God's word to encourage and build up his saints. It's why I love uh, Dwell Bible app. It's an app for listening. Uh, I, I kind of use it in the margins of my day. I like to listen to, depending on my mood, uh, Mark or Felix throw on some ambient music and then in my truck or in my study or uh, in a few minutes between this meeting going into that, soak again in the word of God. Uh, they, they've given us kind of an awesome deal here for a yearly subscription. If you go to dwellbible.com backslash overcomers, they're giving us 25% off an annual subscription. So if you're looking for more Bible in your life, in the margins of your life, not just kind of traditionally listening, but listening while you work, listening while you drive. I couldn't recommend the Dwell Bible app more highly. This is where our life took a total turn. Um, I sat up in that bed and my eyes rolled back and these spirits started identifying themselves uh, spirit of murder and spirit of lust spirit of perversion and my wife would say get out and go to the pit and dude I would black out I'd wake up on the ground all over this hotel room well here we are overcomers and my guy Tyler how are you, man? Man, I'm doing great today. Uh, just feel honored to be here. It's 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 an honor to be able to try to glorify the Lord today. Yeah, you know, and, and just have a discussion with you and uh, hang out with you for a day. Yeah, man, I'm I've got to watch God work in your life in ways that when I think about you, actually, I can catch myself giggling. Uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like <laughs> haha funny. There's it's like tragic funny, but. Just the the power of God. You're like one of the few guys that I wasn't sure where he was spiritually yeah. when when I first started interacting with you at the gym. But I I I always just had this weird sense that the Lord had you and you were going to be all right. Mm -hmm. And um, so then, as I learned, you know, all the stuff that had been going on with you or was going on with you, yeah. um, I I just marveled at what I would just describe as God's relentless pursuit of you up Definitely. into this day, up into this day. But you got a bit of a grimy story, man. It, it's a bit gnarly. And I, I think um, it's going to be really helpful, especially, and, and even as I was praying this morning um, about our time together today, just I, I got this picture in my head of like serious drug addicts who are at the bottom, man. Yeah. And they're going to somehow, I, I don't know how, they're going to somehow in a moment of clarity get to listen to you talk about the pursuant love of Jesus yeah. and and finally be set free. And man, I can get I can get real geeked out thinking about whoever that is right now, listening yeah. to this or watching this or begrudgingly having to do this because someone that loves them and is concerned about them is like, will you just please listen to this? And they're like, ah, oh, Blankety blank. Okay, and and now here they are listening to it, and I'm just super hopeful that everything changes today, yeah. And a new course or a new trajectory is born, and so I've been excited. Even even as I thought about season two, I was I was like, man, I gotta get I gotta get Tyler on the couch. So, yeah. 
Um, so let me let me just start. I'll I'll just why don't you give us just to kind of set the stage, um, get us a little bit of background where you grew up, a little bit about the home you grew up in. Uh, you've got a, you've got some unique things about your story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and then I'll ask some questions. Yeah, sure. So um, I actually grew up pretty close to here. Uh, my first house was in Aubrey, Texas. I lived on a small horse ranch and it was a, it was a total clash of uh, worlds. So my dad was a Irish Catholic kid. Uh, he was born on the East Coast, but raised in Hawaii. You know, his sister and, and my cousins and, and my uncle on that side were kind of more the hippie style. Um, my dad went to, like I said, Irish Catholic school. And then my mom was, uh, for lack of better words, a, a redneck horse trainer. So okay. <laughs> uh, she, she, was, uh, she was actually my first and most consistent example of, of faith, though. Yeah. And so she was, she was a country girl. She was raised in Kansas. Uh, she is actually now in the uh, Horse Show Hall of Fame. Come on. Uh, she I was an Appaloosa horse queen. Oh, yeah, Let's man. Go, man. Yeah. So I, that side was my brother's professional roper. Uh, his son, who my, my nephew is, is ranked top 50 in the nation. My mom's dad, my grandfather, is also in the Horse Show Hall of Fame. Come on. I didn't so it was just totally. I saw this rodeo royalty going on. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my dad, uh, there's pictures from my dad when he met my mom, and he's got like flip-flops on and with a cowboy hat, you know, and he's looking awkward because, you know, everybody in my mom's family is yeah. all cowboy. And, and uh, so it was just a, it, it was a clash of worlds um, then. And as I, as I got older, you know, it, it became even more of a clash, you know, and it's, it's kind of like that now, just one side of my family is totally different from the other side of my family. But so some of my earliest and best memories are mom in bed, reading the Bible, uh, but she had a she had a Bible. It was just marked up every page. She she played the she played the piano at Midway Baptist okay. here in Aubrey. We had a uh, brother Bob was our pastor. He was a blind man, and uh, it was just kind of a you know Southern Baptist church. I went to Sunday school and and did what I was supposed to do. You know, at a young age, and got into to junior high. Still just kind of doing. You know, I remember life then pretty normal. Except for one thing, when I was when I was in my, I was probably around five or six. I experienced some molest, molestation, sexual molestation okay. from a from a. It was a neighbor kid that was, he was probably eighteen or nineteen years old. Okay, um, uh, he was a friend of my brother's, and I think back and it's like you know I, I actually just did that. I, I tried to skip to junior high uh, and not even mentioning like you know yeah. what happened because I try to try to block that out. But it was like, I think back and, and my parents did everything they needed, they needed to do, right? So like my dad was a pilot for American Airlines. Uh, mom was a stay-at-home mom. We were in church all the time. You know, I, I heard scripture, but still uh, the enemy seemed to to sneak in there, you know, and, and try to put his first, I guess, attempt, you know, to ruin me at yeah. an early age, you know, and it it caused problems that um, later on would surface. Um, not a lot at that time. I kept it secret probably till, I think maybe till high school, man. I probably didn't say anything, yeah. you know, about it. But yeah, so I got into junior high. I went to um, Pilot Point G School. 
And I was going to Liberty Christian and then we moved to Pilot Point and it was uh it was just sports mania at yeah. that time. You know, I played two or three seasons of select ball, baseball. Uh I, you know, I was playing basketball thinking I was good, but wasn't that good at basketball. You know? <laughs> you were pilot point good. I was pilot point good. That's right, man. I was pilot point good. Football, you know, I was getting into football, which became my sport later on, and it was just uh you know, it was a good time then, man. We had a uh, we had ten acres out on four fifty five, and it was riding four wheelers and come on, shooting you know BB guns and and uh, stealing mom's you know you know cigarettes that she might smoke one you know she sure. probably smoke one pack a year yeah, and I'm like stealing it you know and uh, thinking I'm going to get away with it, but yeah. you know I I remember a time and and I don't say this to brag, but I say it just to kind of remember because I got so far from this, but we had a uh, as sixth graders, we had to choose a historical figure to dress up as. This this sounds cruel to me now to make kids do this, yeah. but uh, to dress up as a historical figure of their choice and then give a presentation in front of the seventh and eighth graders in the gymnasium, like by yourself. This is a terrible idea, dude. I'm telling you, like right now, I would be way more scared. Yeah, I wasn't that afraid then, and yeah. I and I chose Jesus, you know. Yeah, so you I'm did. like. Uh, I don't think anybody coaxed me to choose Jesus. Yeah. It was just like, I'm going to choose Jesus because nobody else is going to choose Jesus type of thing, you know? Seventh grade, eighth grade, things are uh, smooth in my life, man. You know, eighth grade, I grew uh, 10 times faster than everybody and was scoring all these touchdowns. And I'm like, think I'm going to play for the Cowboys for sure, you know? You know, at that time, church was a thing. You know, I, I look at, I look at a couple of our kids. You know, we have my wife and I actually have six kids together. So I married into a few, and it's it's a mixed. You know, a lot of people raising these kids. We have two full time and four on the weekends and five sometimes, and yeah. it's, it's it's crazy. But I look at a couple of them who are who are at that age, and it, it it's kind of the same thing. You know, and I'll get to this later, but. I really realized like how much glory I believe that the Lord wants uh, in salvation and in the story of salvation. And so I can preach to some of these kids like till I'm blue in the face and you just don't see, and some kids you do obviously know that, but some kids you just don't see any fruit, you know? Uh, I think they, they hadn't and I hadn't felt any sort of desperation for the Lord. Yeah. Uh, I may have had like one grandpa die, sure. you know, which was like weird for a few days. And then I forget about death and, yeah, you know, on. forget about, yeah, and move on. Um, and so it was just kind of a weekend thing, you know. I, I uh, fast forward to uh, my sophomore year, still playing ball and uh, going to, went back and forth high schools here in Denton, Denton High School and Liberty Christian. And I had, I had, kind of started flirting with uh smoking pot but it was still kind of a thing i did maybe on a saturday uh wasn't gonna let it affect anything that i was doing type of thing plus my mom was kind of like the strong arm at our house my dad was a pilot and she was just kind of a rock so i was i was afraid of her (laughs) and that good like godly fear type of thing man yeah Yeah. Uh, mama was not playing for sure but my my dad left for a trip when I was 16 years old, uh, and he was actually in Paris at the time. And my mom had had a surgery; it was actually a hysterectomy surgery. And 
I think it was two or three days after the surgery, she, I was at school and she checked herself in to the hospital because she had some pains in her legs. And so I, I left school and I went and saw mom. Uh, I can still remember, uh, I was, it was like a big deal because I hit 200 pounds that day on the scale. Come on. So like I, I went to the hospital and I was like, dude, mom, I, I weighed 200 pounds. It was like a big, you know, big thing. And she, they ran tests for her that day. And, uh, they actually told her that everything cleared, and she said that she felt um, like something wasn't right. So they said in order to stay the night, you have to pay out of pocket, and she said okay, uh, which I look back now, and I'm like, she knew something was up. Yeah, she was hurt. Yeah. So I um, came back the next morning uh, with, my, with my girlfriend at the time, and we both ran up into her room, and she, she asked me to go back to the house uh, and grab uh, I still remember it's her Bible and her bathrobe and a couple other things. So we ran, you know, 20 minutes down the road and a uh, girlfriend stayed in the truck and I ran up into the hospital room and uh, without noticing really, there was like 40 people in the room, you know, before I even realized what they were doing and, and they, had, uh, they had AEDs on her and they were trying to revive her. Uh, and I had a nurse just grab me around my my eyes with her arm, you know, and dragged me down to a room. And uh, I want to say it was probably 45 minutes later, you know, my girlfriend never even came up. She's probably, you know, freaking out in the, in the truck. Uh, they said that your mom had passed away. Mm. So uh, it was life changer for yeah. sure. Um, I had peace and still have peace over where she's at. I know she's with Jesus, yeah. you know, but it just, it redirected everything. My dad, my dad, we're closer now, but my dad's always been a little bit more of the passive type, you know, so he, he wasn't, he wasn't real solid as far as like what we're going to do type of thing. Um, and so I, I was just kind of like, you know, just felt uh, like the bottom was pulled out from me, you know, and, and everybody who knew her was kind of afraid of the same thing. You know, she, uh, she was big mama. That's what everybody called her. She filled uh, Denton Bible, you know, that filled the entire uh, old yeah. sanctuary there. Uh, people coming out the doors, just a huge, huge funeral. But yeah, so from that point on, uh, I would say just my, um, my focus uh, was not on grades, you know, and sadly it, it became not on sports, you know, that was kind of, that was my thing, man. Yeah. You know, and well, I thought it was my thing, you know, sure. Uh, but it was what was keeping me out of trouble. Uh, my dad moved. He asked me if I wanted to move to upstate New York my junior year and I didn't want to. He had a high school sweetheart that he got back together with. Um, and so his mom, who was probably 76 at the time and, you know, halfway blind, uh, was here sometimes, but couldn't be here all the time. And I was staying by myself. And next thing you know, smoking pot was, uh, you know, doing cocaine at lunch. Yeah. And um, so it happened that fast. It, it happened, it happened that really fast. quickly, man. Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> I read a lot uh, just about, you know, strongholds and, and, and I try to be careful what I read, but I guess I can, I can, things that I know have happened in my life, 
then I can say, okay, that's, that's true yeah. because it happened to me. But, you know, I, I had a lot of trauma yeah, at that did. time, just experiencing what happened to her. And it was like, uh, it's like these strongholds formed, you know, overnight. Um, and I turned from captain of the football team, uh, popular kid to, you know, just, I think back now, man, uh, I was hurting a lot of people around me. Yeah. You know, I was, I was sleeping, uh, sleeping around at the time, you know, at a very young age, just trying to uh, grasp any sort of love that I could from anybody, you know, and, and just started drinking too much and, and really just lost control at an early age and wound up getting uh, actually kicked out of high school um, okay. from Liberty Christian. I've, I've already talked to the principal and we're, we're friends now again. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I said, sorry, we didn't yeah. make up. Like, okay. But yeah. sure. Yeah. As much <laughs> for, as it the, depends to you. Yeah. yeah. For the longest time, I thought we were going to have to make up. And then yeah. one day it hit me like he didn't do anything. So yeah. um, I got yeah. myself kicked out of school, yeah. you know, and I actually wrote uh, that gentleman a message and just it told him, you know, they did exactly what I would do with one of my children in my house now. And what Paul suggested to do in in the New Testament, you know, um, if someone's making that much trouble in the church or in the house or in the school, uh, maybe, you know, putting him on the outs may save his life and yeah. his soul eventually. And so I was dragging people down. And, uh, and so it was just the beginning. When, when I got kicked out, it was the beginning of me, um, I guess I identified as being uh, rejected. Okay. You know what I mean? And so I ended up finishing high school and uh, <clears throat> I went to the University of Hawaii, actually. You know, I got my grades back up uh, semi-good and, and I had family out there and uh, went to go give a shot at, you know, one of six colleges. Come so. on. <laughs> Come on, just toured. Toured the Pac-12. Uh, yeah, man, I, I really did, yeah. <laughs> Toured the Pac-12 and, yeah, the Big Ten and everything, man. So a lot of community colleges, sure. wherever they are. So, uh, well, but, let, you me, know, let me ask you this. Yeah. So there's this, if we're thinking about kind of the lies that kind of give weight to the strongholds that begin to kind of shape this story mm -hmm. that we're telling, you you, you said that it's it's one of rejection mm -hmm. so that one of the lies you began to embrace is that you'll be rejected. And so you're starting to try to beat people to the punch. Is that totally. what we're doing? I'm going to behave in such a way. I'm going to treat you in such a way. I'm yeah. going to abuse you before you can abuse me. Kind of that that's kind of the underneath driver that you're unconscious of at this time. Absolutely. So the word of God says that people perish because of lack of knowledge. Yeah. And so, uh, I did not, you know, all the church and Sunday school, for some reason, it, it never set in what my identity was, or maybe, maybe it just wasn't um, big enough for me, you know, yeah. that I'm a child of God at that time, yeah. didn't sound like a fun thing. Uh, but yeah, totally, man, I, I didn't have any sort of identity. Uh, sports was my identity. And it was like, there was this blockage, people were like, hey, go, you know, walk on and and I'm like selling weed and, and pills. And it's like, like I think back, but uh, just like you said, it was, it, was, it was used to justify behavior, you know? And that's, that's another thing um, that I definitely recognize I did for a long time was I used even what maybe some, some of the world or, or what 
secular counseling may say uh, is like a sickness. Yeah. Uh, I understand now for me, I don't know about it, I can't speak for everybody, but for me and what my Bible says uh, is rebellion. Yeah. And so I would use, I would use what people, oh, you're sick, you have addiction, right? Which I know now is stemmed from depression that I had because I didn't have identity, but I would use it to justify more yeah. drug use. It's like I didn't want to be loved at that point. Yeah. And I, I felt a lot of rejection from uh, from my dad's situation. And, you know, I, I became, you know, really, you know, and I'll get to this, but when I finally dropped out of college, so I, I can kind of go through that a little bit. I, I went to the University of Hawaii. I kept my grades decent. You know, I, I probably got B's and C's at that time, just passed and met some people and, and followed some friends to Rhode Island, you know, ended oh. up in Rhode Island and then Boston for a summer. And uh, at this time, there, there was no, there was no God, you know, if you would have asked me, uh, are you a Christian? Yes. But there was no church. There was no Bible. There was God, but I shouldn't say no God, but there was no God in my life. Yeah. Right. Uh, that I could see. Uh and so one year led to two years of college and my dad actually lived in that area in the Northeast at that time in New York. And I had plans uh, to move back to this area. And uh, I can still remember like to this day watching my dad cry for the first time. Okay. And so, cause I had done decent and I hadn't been doing, you know, hard drugs during college. It was just drinking and, and staying out of trouble for the most part. And uh, he just begged me. You know, he he knew something that I didn't, yeah. and uh, I had friends in this area who were selling massive amounts of drugs, um, who were starting to dabble in meth and heroin, and and uh, I had just touched that scene a little bit, and then got it together and went to college, and then I was going back to that scene, you know, and my dad yeah. knew that I hadn't improved, you know, at all, and. And so I, I came back to that scene uh, the summer before what would have been my junior year. I enrolled in uh, University of North Texas, and I don't think I saw more than a week of school. Uh, I got arrested uh, quickly when I moved back here, um, uh, just on stupid assault charges and bar fights, and yeah. and just started hanging out with you know the crowd that I told you is is uh, that were selling you know a lot of drugs. And it just went from age 20 to 24 was probably the most dangerous time of my life. Uh, I wouldn't say the worst. Uh, it got worse later. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of money. There was a lot of kids who grew up in, you know, North Texas suburbia who were still getting dad's credit cards and, yeah. uh, you know, were connected to people who bought a lot of drugs. And, and the scene was just, it was insane. You know, it was it was very demonic. It was evil, uh, and I don't even know how I held on. Honestly, man, there was there was a lot of overdoses. Um, I can think of uh, one day I, I had a I had an overdose and got hauled into the to the hospital, and I woke up and my waiting room was filled. There was like fifty people in this room, and it was parents uh, from Liberty Christian. I'd gone to okay. Liberty Christian on and off. And it was parents who loved me, you know, and it was parents who, who knew uh, my mom and loved my mom and, and my parents. And we went on vacations together and yeah. they filled this room 
you know, and it was like an intervention deal. And I woke up and I just lost my mind. I started cussing at people and freaking out and, 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 and basically scared everybody away. Mm. That marked uh, what became the next 10 years, or really just the darkest time in my life. One of, the, one of the ways we're able to bring these stories to you is by partnering with organizations that I've grown to trust and appreciate and love over the last couple of years. Uh, Dwell, the Dwell Bible app, if you followed my ministry, you know I've mentioned it before. It's just one of my favorite tools, like in my own devotional life, my own study life, uh, to find more ways um, to hear the Word of God, to absorb the Word of God, to have the Word of God top of mind for me. Uh, and so I've used it devotionally. Uh, I've used it in regards to just, uh, I'm, I'm currently studying the book of Daniel. And so all day today, I've had the, the Daniel read by Mark with ambient music in the background playing on my phone in my truck uh, as I, you know, uh, walked outside a little bit earlier this morning, just finding ways um, to have the Word of God um, absorbing into my system and, and the, the design, the, the beauty of the app, uh, the various kinds of music that can play under, uh, the accents that can go to. There are so many aspects of the app that could serve to stir your affections for Jesus, depending on preference and desire. Dwell is offering listeners of The Overcomers 25% off a yearly subscription. All you have to do is visit dwellbible.com backslash overcomers, or you can click the link in the show notes to receive the discount. So you're, and you're using almost every day at this point, or is it still kind of coming in waves? Is it, it so sounds like it's bigger than a weekend thing now for yeah. sure. But why don't you talk a little bit about you, you know, cause we're, we're, we're kind of giving background story, but you, you were like, smoking a little weed on the weekends mm -hmm. and then you start to kind of, it, it gets a little deeper and then you pull out, you go to Hawaii and you, you kind of pull yourself together for a little bit, maybe still just getting high here and there a little bit, but then then you hit the ground back here. Yeah. And and now you're you're not talking weed anymore. You're, you're talking methamphetamines, you're talking co cocaine, you're talking heroin. And, and how often now are you getting high? Yeah, so um, really the, the big changer was at age 20 when I moved back here. Um, I had a group of friends that was into IV drug use. Okay. And so uh, I can still remember the day uh, that I used a needle, you know, and, and, and these guys were into shooting cocaine, methamphetamines, uh, heroin some, but, you know, it wasn't really the junkie crowd type yeah. of heroin deal. Um, and so, man, I remember, uh, you know, using the needle for the first time, and it was just off to the races, yeah. you know, and it was, uh, I would use for two or three weeks at a time. I mean, I would, I would, I would like pass out like face first yeah. in the middle of my living room with needles everywhere and arms covered with blood. And at this time still managed somehow my, my dad was giving me money. Um, I, I held it, I guess my brain probably wasn't damaged enough at that time yeah. that I could sell <laughs> drugs, you know? Yeah. And so I still had money. So I'd wake up in these nice clothes or in these nice, you know, areas in Dallas, um, pockets full of drugs and just, I'm, I'm talking so hold out, man, yeah. you know, and just so far from the Lord, you know, um, 
and so yeah, it became used for two or three weeks at a time, and then I'd get my stuff back together for a couple weeks. Always really consistently drinking or smoking pot yeah. at that time, you know, just to kind of kill uh, whatever depression or anxiety came from that drug use. Yeah, um, and so yeah, it was just um, during during one of those two or three weeks of trying to get my stuff back together, I had a. I had some friends actually that went to the village church. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, I I think I went to church probably for the first time in 18, 19, 20, probably three or four years. Uh, and it was to hear Matt Chandler. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So I believe it was your first year. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, oh, three, oh, three, oh, four. Yeah, man. It was, it was, uh, it was a big deal. It was catching on like wild for everybody Listen, in North Texas. It was wild. About, uh, Matt <laughs> so Chandler, dumb. man. And, and really like, um, I, I had the combination of not hearing the word of God preached. Uh, and also, I mean, honestly, not a lot of people of that era preach in the, in the manner and the style that you preached. Yeah. Uh, you reached me and you reached, and you reached a lot of kids. Yeah. You know, I can, those were crazy days. Those were crazy days. Like we, I've told the story before that we, we were, I mean, those were days where, I mean, we found a kid in our bathroom with yeah. a heroin needle in his arm. Yeah. I mean, that's where that wave that came that I think it was year two I was here was wild. And one of my favorite seasons of ministry, it was just, yeah. it was so miraculous. It was so crazy. We didn't, we didn't know what we were doing. It was just people were coming out of the woodwork and it was the kind of people I really wanted to see come to know and love Jesus. It was wildness. Yeah. And so that's fun that, that you were. Yeah, man, you were totally group, planted like in the middle of, uh, I mean, for a reason, like yeah. right here in the middle of this, like I said, this North Texas scene of, of kids with probably too much money and too many drugs. And, um, yep. and so, yeah, so, uh, it was, it was really at that point at that age, 22, 23, uh, where I did start listening to, you know, your sermons and I would pop in here and there still wasn't, you know, I would have a, I guess, uh, emotionalism. Sure. You know what I mean? I do exactly what you um, mean. But, but now that I understand the word of God and, and trying to understand the Lord, uh, it was still part of him bringing me back, Yeah, you know, uh, in, in his own style. So yeah, at, at age, at age 25, I actually had my 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 son, my first my first child, and it was like, okay, I'm gonna try to you know get my get my stuff together here, and and so I I I believe I was clean and sober for well, at least clean probably around ten months, and had my son and and moved uh, with his mom to Hawaii, and um, I I mentioned I had family there. I don't know if I did, but yeah. I have family there, so. Uh, it was and always has been a good place for me, you know, to kind of get away from things and get away from uh, just people I knew. And but you know, you you are uh, where you go. That's it. You are where you are. Yeah. So, um, and and really, I I didn't I didn't enter into that relationship in the in the manner I should. Uh, I didn't marry, you know, his mom. Um, we didn't read the word together. We didn't abide in the Lord, you know, and so. Uh, we, I reaped, you know, what I sowed, man. And that, that family became broken in an early stage. And so we moved, uh, back to this area and it's actually, uh, around the time I started going back to the village and, 
And his mom um, actually was housed, uh, and I can't remember her name, but somebody took her in okay. um, at a stage where I had relapsed and uh, had a daughter that was about to be born at this time. And so the village church had a recovery home on the lake. Yep. And I was going to recovery and, and working with Michael Snetzer and Snets. yeah, and, and John Shepherd and uh, you know, I was friends with John's son and we were kind of in the same stuff together. And man, I just I had a lot of help, you know, from the village church at that time. And once again, you know, bounced out of that house in the middle of the night, man. Did drugs in the bathroom, bounced out of it and and uh just really didn't understand uh I didn't understand that I couldn't do one or I couldn't do anything, you know? Yeah. Just the idea to embrace not having any sort of head change freaked me out, yeah. you know? And I had so much depression that I hadn't worked through. You know, I hadn't worked through any sort of like uh, steps at that time. And I couldn't really get to the point to where I was doing any, any kind of inventory uh, without getting depressed and whatnot. So, um, I did find my way into uh, my second rehab, though, right before my daughter was born. Uh, I went to the House of Isaiah, which is kind of a crazy place, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's called the House of Isaiah. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. I believe you. Uh, Isaiah Robertson, I think his name was. He was the pro bowler for the Rams. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So I had my Bible with me. And, um, man, I became, I became manic in that in that rehab and i i went to that rehab with a friend of mine and he was in the room with me and i don't think that he was really there to get you know clean and sober and i was man i was freaking out yeah it's like my my second kid's gonna be born and so i just started reading the word and i i had ne never experienced um i had never experienced the word of god come alive like that mm -hmm. and so uh i i still I still attribute like being born again uh, through reading the word of God. Yeah. You know, that's, that has, that has, that is and has and continues to work on my regeneration. Yeah. And put me in areas and corners where uh, I need to be sanctified because I read it and I believe, you know, who wrote it. Yeah. And so uh, it, it just came alive for the first time there. You know, and so I left uh, that rehab and and went to a, a sober home and and worked steps for the first time. You know, okay. I went through a, a moral inventory that was just gnarly. Like the guy who did it with me looked shocked, and he had done like thousands type yeah. of deal. Um, and it was just such a weight, you know, off my shoulders. And you know, it's it's uh it's so important to keep working through things like that, you know, to, to just write down your fears and your resentments and have people close to you who you can kind of clear house with, Yeah, you know? And so, um, I experienced kind of, uh, probably my, like my first, I guess you could call it like spiritual experience. Yeah. You know, I was like, wow, man, God, uh, never left me, you know? Um, he, he, has always been there. Um, he he basically uncovered my eyes. The world looked beautiful for the first time in so long, uh, and I thought everything was good. And uh, it wasn't very long after, yeah, you know, that I got high again. And then when does when's your daughter born? 
so she was born. Uh, I mentioned I went to that sober home. Yeah. Uh, she was born. I was probably 30 days in there and I left to go to the hospital on a pass and I saw her born and I never returned. Okay. And so I couldn't, I probably should have, yeah. but I, I saw that little girl. And so she was born in April, 2011. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went home and I had both of my kids again, you know, with their mom and, and things were, were looking better. You know, we were still together as a family. Um, and like I said, man, it just, you know, unraveled pretty soon after. And we, we actually moved back to Hawaii. Okay. Again. Yeah. Back and forth, man. Yeah. And this is how, I mean, this is how I'm experiencing you in this time. Yeah. It's like, I see you in the lobby and hug you. How are you doing? I mean, I'm all right. And you're all, you were always real honest about where things sat. And then yeah. I wouldn't see you again for like four or five months. And yeah. then I'd be out in the lobby and then here you'd come and be like, oh my gosh, Tyler, what's going on, man? Oh, then I've been in Hawaii. And then, so this is literally how I'm experiencing you in <laughs> this time. It's like, yeah. I would see you, hug you. We'd catch up for 45 seconds. Yeah. I'd see you in there worshiping. And then, and yeah. then I wouldn't see you again <laughs> for like a year is what it felt like to me. And then yeah. boom, there he is again. And yeah. And so, I'd probably like unload a confession to you. You did. You was yeah. always, you, you were never, <laughs> you're not a man who pretends much. And so I no. always appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I guess I just felt uh, like I trusted you from from an early stage, you know, and just wanted you to know, uh, you know, where I was and wanted like sincerely to ask you to yeah. pray for it me. It helped me pray for you and it helped yeah. me want for you. Yeah. I wanted it for you. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So uh, this marks, you know, I moved back to, to Hawaii with uh, with both kids and, and my, my ex-wife and we hadn't been married that, at that time. Um, and I started, you know, I went from, at that time I was working in the oil field here in Texas before I left. Uh, I got, you know, I didn't grow up like my brother. My brother was more the cowboy and the, yeah. and the welder and all, all that. And I was more the sports kid, but yeah. somebody showed me, you know, if you work hard, you can make pretty good money out here. And yep. so it caught on. And, um, I went from working on a drilling rig in West Texas to working at the Four Seasons in Maui in about okay. two or three months. So a little bit of a culture shock. That's a swing. That's a swing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, that, that, was a, that was a fun time in my life. Um, I started to go to church or take the family to church and tried to sew into things at that time for the first time, yeah. small groups. And uh, I was um, went to a sports camp, you know, with my son where he raised his hand and wanted to be saved, yeah. you know, and and just started to experience a little bit more of the family of God somewhere else besides here. And, uh, <clears throat> but just once again, you know, uh, I believe that salvation is of the Lord, yeah. you know, and I just were prone to wonder, you know, and I, I started working in the hotels and, and uh, I took care of a lot of uh, famous people there. Yeah. You know, LeBron James and, uh, Woody Harrelson and David Spade and uh, Matt Ryan and Eddie Murphy's family and and got moved from the 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 pool area to the lobby and uh, was really doing well, man, and succeeding in that career, yeah. you know, in the hotels and meeting a lot of uh, cool people and it just kind of seemed now that I look back on it, uh, the more success I had and the more people I met, uh, God became smaller. Yeah, you know. And, um, man, he, he has a loving way of, uh, putting me through discipline, yeah. you know, and making himself bigger. Um, and so 
one thing after another out there of me, you know, feeling like I'm bigger than I am, you know, and the Lord gracefully knocking me to yeah. my knees. And, and it just, I, I went from one hotel to the next and construction and just kind of bounced around and, uh, fast forward about four years, man, I hadn't done any hard drugs out there. I, maybe I think twice in four years, which was really good for me. And, um, uh, but I was still drinking and, and, um, just trying to hold it together. Yeah. And so decided I wanted to finally marry, uh, the mother of my kids, you know, yay me, right. After nine years. Uh, and so we got married in a courthouse. I thought I'd do the right thing. Come on. And I left two days later on a, on a business trip to here on the mainland to work with a friend. And I came back, uh, a month later and she had moved out and we were never together again. Okay. And so she, uh, she, at that time, she left me with the two kids over there. And so I was on the most expensive Island in the world, uh, recently married and then recently separated. Yeah. And, uh, it just became super hard for me. So her, her dad, uh, moved from Texas to Maui, moved in with me for a year, and we took care of the kids together. Her dad. Her dad, yeah. Okay. And, you know, at this time, um, I knew that me being alone, if I were to go back to the lifestyle that I had, that these kids would be gone. Yeah. And so um, I really leaned in to the Lord, you know, like uh, probably more than I ever had before. And... Um, got serious about things, you know, started serving uh, on a regular basis. I was in church two or three times a week. I was reading the word every morning. You know, I, I look back at that time. It was such a, it was such a hard time uh, financially um, and just wondering if their mom was going to come back and, yeah. and whatnot. And the Lord really just held it together for me, man. You know, and even the idea of serving more in church and reading the word and pressing into the Lord uh, it's just not who I am yeah. without the spirit of God. Sure. And so like when I look back at those times now, I'm really like, wow. Kind of yeah. like you said, when we started, it's just amazing to see uh, what God does in someone like me. Um, and what I mean by that is I, I have no desire on my own accord yeah. uh, to follow the Lord until, until he did something about it out of his grace, man. Yeah. And he just started to plant a hunger and thirst for righteousness. I can remember the first time I was convicted uh, about uh, being with another woman at that time. So I was separated and she was with somebody and, and uh, there was somebody from my work, uh, you know, that I, that I hooked up with or tried to hook up with. And, and I had an anxiety attack. Okay. I mean, I lost it at this yeah. woman's house and she was like looking at me like, what? And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm asking her, do you have any beard? I'm trying to, yeah. And dude, it was the spirit of God. Yeah. <laughs> I felt, I felt serious conviction over, um, over, you know, my sin. Yeah. You know, for the first time over sexual sin, uh, I'd felt conviction over drug use because of, you know, what had happened in my life. But I think even somebody who may not believe in the Lord may feel some sort of conviction or, guilt or shame, yeah, yeah, guilt or shame. Um, but yeah, I felt hardcore conviction over it. So um, I, I asked uh, the mother of my kids at that time, um, can we try to fix this one more time? You know, can we try to 
get together, you know, try to mend the family together to see what the Lord can do. And she was, she was in a bad place, you know, with drugs at that time. And, and I just felt, you know, uh, we didn't get along well, but I yeah. felt terrible for her and I sure. felt like she was going to die at that time too. And so I talked her into letting me, uh, move back here. I told her I couldn't afford to be there with the kids, you know, by myself in the most expensive island in the world. And so I came back here to work for Halliburton in the oil field again. And she uh, flew to Texas a month later to meet me. And we were going to kind of repair things. And she landed. And a day later, uh, I left to go to work for a week. She sent me a text message that said she was pregnant with somebody else's twins. Okay. She did an about face and moved back to Hawaii and left me with the kids here. Yep. Hey, this episode of The Overcomers has been sponsored by the Acts 29 Church Planning Network with an invitation to our 2024 Next Conference here in April in Dallas, Texas. I'm gonna be speaking alongside of a a stellar lineup. You're like, you're not gonna wanna miss it. Uh, We've got Brian Loritz and Sam Alberry, John Piper, and more. Uh, And the hope of the next conference is really what we're trying to do is equip and encourage you as church planters and church leaders, really regardless of the type of church or type of ministry that you're in. And I would love to see you there. To learn more about this and to register for Next, you can just go to acts29.com backslash next. And if you're an Overcomer listener, you're gonna have a a special discount, like $20 off registration if you use the code OVERCOMERS. And so you can apply this discount to the early bird prices before December 31st, or the regular rates that start in 2024. That's axe29.com slash next. Look forward to seeing you there. Well, single dad, yeah, back here, yeah, with a job that requires you to be gone for a week at a time, a couple of weeks at a time. A, I mean, that's pretty intense. Yeah, with your history, with yeah. the compulsions that you have, it's a pretty significant moment. Yeah, I, I totally just, uh, I knew that like if I stepped one direction the wrong way, everything's going to fall apart. At least yep. that's what I told myself. Sure, you know, not really understanding God was under the net anyway. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, it was. It was two weeks away and one week home. And so her mom stepped in and, and helped for a little while. And, you know, I, I just felt like, like it was the end of the world at yeah. that time. Uh, and then I, I, I met somebody uh, who I had, I had known of her in high school. And most people knew of her in high school okay. because she was, she was wild, man. She was uh <laughs> She was a beautiful woman who who was a friend of a friend who had gotten into uh, the drug scene just as heavier, heavier uh, than I and hung out with some people I knew that were just honestly re- really, really bad people at that time, you know, into some serious crime. And and so everybody knew of this woman as as somebody to kind of stay away from or at least to <laughs> respect. To respect. Yeah, tread well, lightly. Well, I guess it was just somebody I knew had kind of fallen away, yeah. you know? And so I, I had been watching, not stalking, but just watching. Okay. Yeah, maybe I, mean, I was okay. a little bit because we're it's married right. now. So yeah. I was slightly stalking her on Facebook, and uh, I saw I saw her start to post things uh, about the Lord, and yeah. I saw her start to post things uh, with her kids. and uh, And then I knew we had a mutual friend, 
uh, and he's telling me the same thing. You know, it's it's crazy because I woke up at this mutual friend's house one morning um, on the brink of suicide at this time and walked out into this guy's living room. And he was like, dude, you look terrible. And I was like, I'm seriously about to kill myself if I don't get some help. Yeah. And so I left the next day and went to rehab. Well, a month before that, my now wife actually was at the same house and did the same thing. And so mutual friends, yeah. you know, that was the first time we both tried to go get help, but we didn't even really know each other at that time. Yeah. But By the way, we're totally going to have her on maybe next season or something. So that Oh, man, she's going to blow my story out of the water <laughs> for sure. Uh, but yeah, so um, we started dating and um, I experienced the same sort of conviction, you know, through trying to stay away from premarital sex with her and and called her uh, on my way to work at this time and 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 told her, I said, we can't do that. We can't have yeah. sex, you know? And I was thinking she was just gonna be like, okay, square, you know? Yeah. And uh, she, she was so receptive to it. And now that I understand her better, uh, I believe that it, it really made her feel uh, loved, yeah. you know? And I had never thought that about anybody that I wanted to wait. And I yeah. just didn't want her to get hurt like I had been hurt or like other people had been hurt around me. And so we dated for the next six months and uh, my divorce with my ex became final. You know, we never were together. Yeah. And and so we we got divorced and, and uh, my wife now, uh, we eloped to Maui. Come on. Yeah. Back to Hawaii. Back to, back to Hawaii. If you're counting, that's about six times back and forth. So, <laughs> uh, and we got, we got married on the beach and, you know, we told each other, we started reading the word together, uh, early in our relationship. And it just, the, the time that I thought my life fell apart when my wife left me was the time that God started to put pieces back together. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is I wanted him to put them back together in a, in a certain pattern. And, yeah. and he just, he loves to blow my pattern up. So, uh, we, we had told each other and talked about it with God in prayer that we wanted to be, uh, the couple that was an example. Yeah. You know, we wanted to be the couple who were the drug addicts, uh, who, you know, or maybe our high school kids came and had small group or, or at least just hung out at our house and we were clean and and whatnot and uh it was a really good idea and uh and i believe that the lord wanted that idea but uh deep down i didn't you know and i wasn't ready and my wife wasn't ready and and so we got married and uh we relapsed uh soon after marriage and was there a, let me ask you about that because yeah. I, was, I was curious. Was there a feeling of safety in using because your backstories were similar and you've come together now as one and you've got all this good that you're celebrating if that didn't somehow, for the person who's listening who might yeah. be in a similar situation, I, I think with addiction in particular, there are these ways of justifying relapses that in this case I'm curious as to whether or not the we've done so well, we've done some things right, we've got each other, this won't get too bad because we've both been there before. If that wasn't kind of playing in the heart and head or maybe maybe I'm overthinking that way too much and it was just like, man, we just wanted to, it'd been a tough week, we wanted to have a fun time on the weekend. No, it was it was definitely a, um, I wouldn't call it a comfort, but a, a desire yeah. uh, to use methamphetamines, uh, 
a very sexual drug, you know, and you're, and you're with, um, you have that past and, and it's something you want to do with, with the, with the girl or the woman you're with. And, and so there, there was like a discrepancy between us, you know, uh, very early on where, uh, she did something and I forgave her and I wasn't healthy enough. And so there was a slight bit of resentment and it was like, okay, well, I'm going to get high too type of thing. And it, just thinking it would be very temporary. Yeah. Um, and that's where it got supernatural. Okay. So I had never experienced uh, anything demonic necessarily. Yeah, to I, your I, knowledge at the time. Exactly. No no manifestations, sure. nothing like that. Uh, like I said, I'd grown up in a Southern Baptist church, and it just wasn't the, the topic of discussion. Uh, and it wasn't really – I look now – I was actually more the cynical type and still can be sure. You know, honestly, there's stuff all over the internet and it's like, what do you believe? And it's like, is this even healthy to believe? And so, um, God, God basically uncovered my eyes to things, but okay. So the first time we used together, uh, we experienced demonic manifestations. Okay. And so maybe one time in my life, all that drug use and all the evil I was around, there might've been one night where I was with a friend of mine who's now passed away, overdosed, my best friend. We thought that maybe there was like some demonic activity, you know, and, and, uh, but I think that the Lord was listening when my wife and I prayed and said what we, what we wanted to say, because the first time we used together, uh, it flat out got scary, Yeah, you know, and it was it was like three or four days of use and, and it, and you know, it was, it was so shocking the things that were happening that, that when we came down and we weren't high anymore, we were like kind of in denial. It's like, okay, that was weird. Right. Like pretty sure there was ghosts in our house, yeah. you, know? <laughs> you know, like there, I don't even think the word demon probably came up at that time. Sure. It just wasn't something that we discussed. Uh, and so three or four months go by and at this time, like in those months of being clean, we are like in the word all the time. Uh, we're praying together. Um, we're going to church, uh, I think at the village at that time again. Um, and so it was like we were abiding in the Lord and then we would make that mistake again, whether it was out of rebellion or if it was an actual mistake, I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter at this time. And it was like the same thing would happen. And so, you know, two or three years of this went by of like, okay, when we get high, uh, something happens and it's like uh, a veil is pulled back, you know? And so we started reading books uh, and just about like the spiritual realm and what would cause it, you know? And so we started to realize that, okay, obviously it's our sin, right? And so when we sin, uh, something happens and uh, these spirits have some sort of domain over us for a temporary amount of time. Uh, and, you know, it would lead every time, it would lead to tears and flushing the drugs and on my knees and in prayer and begging for the Lord to uh, fill our lives again, begging for the Spirit to fill the house again, the Holy Spirit. And so, Godly conviction leads to repentance, yeah. you know, and, and however that works, uh, and maybe I can help somebody with this because it's, it's, 
shouldn't be, but it's still kind of a taboo subject, right? It's like a, it's a, it's a touchy subject. Yeah. But I do know that uh, through our mistakes and our dealings with these manifestations and these evil spirits and and however that works for us, it has led to, and for me, it has led to ultimately my good. Yeah. All things work together for the for the good of those who love Him. Um, and so I can look back at that now and I realize that every time, uh, me being really scared out of my socks, man, uh, led me back to the Lord quickly. Yeah. Problem is, is I kept testing, right? Yeah. And so I kept testing the Lord. And so at this, uh, at this time, uh, you know, my wife and I, we're still keeping it together. You know, this is only once every three or four month thing. For a few days, I get the best job of my life. I'm working for uh, Exxon Mobil as a safety consultant, and then they bump me up to a, a superintendent. And so I have 13 drilling rigs under me. I'm having these safety meetings where I'm speaking into people's lives. I'm praying with the crew. I never use it at work. And then I'd come home, and it'd fall apart for a week. Yeah. And it would get nuts, man. It would get crazy again. And it's like we were in this position where – I knew what would open those doors. It was my sin, but there was such chains and such strongholds that I could not not make that decision. Yeah. Um, and I just, I, I know now what I didn't know then, just how spiritual this thing is with drug use. And so uh, I got to the point to where God had to do something that I couldn't. I couldn't make that, you know, could yeah. not make that decision anymore. Uh, and so after about three years of this and, and still having that, that same job and, and making it back to work, uh, there came the time where I didn't make it back to work. Yeah. You know, and I went from a job making thirteen dollars or $14,000 a month to uh, getting fired over it and losing my job. And, and the, the combination of a new wife, a new life, uh, an amazing job lost uh, because of the same chains of addiction, uh, created a ball of depression and anxiety and torture and horror that nearly impossible to describe. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I lost my job. They actually gracefully laid me off, uh, because I had just, a uh, such a grace filled, uh, supervisor man i i told him everything you yeah. know and the guy let me back once uh after being gone for a month and then i still couldn't do it couldn't keep it together so he laid me off instead of firing me type of deal but uh it really just it came to a head at that point so i i was basically at this point losing my mind again you know i i started carrying guns again like i used to i had like a tote with an ar and uh, pistol and a shot off shotgun. And it's like, I'm living in the suburbs, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I'm driving, you know, not a gangster ride. And, yeah. and, and my wife's looking at me like, what is going on? You know? Um, and I was losing my mind, man, these, these voices and these manifestations, it, it just got to a absolute pinnacle, you know? And I can, I can remember a night that I, normally my wife was with me. She was keeping up with me, really helping, keeping me alive, honestly, yeah. um, in her sweet way that she does that. You know what I mean? Uh, 
and uh, just constantly trying to get me to go to sleep and trying to get me to come back home and remember who I am in the Lord and mm-hmm. and trying to read scripture to me while we're, you know, high and just whatever, you know. And so um, I'd gotten away from her for a night and I was in a hotel room and she called me on FaceTime and uh, I was being thrown around the room on FaceTime. Yeah. You know what I mean? By whatever, you know. And it just, it, it got so gnarly, man. So my wife and I had tried to research uh, deliverance, right? And you got to remember, we're kind of halfway confused at this time. Yeah. And it's like, okay, she makes an appointment to go see somebody, a pastor, a well-known pastor in the in the Metroplex at this time that has a prison ministry who writes books over it. We both read the books. And so she makes it to the appointment. Uh, I find my way out of it. Of course, I didn't, I didn't want to go. And, and so she goes through like a, just a prayer, nothing weird, man, you know, prayer of, uh, deliverance, biblical and, and, you know, nothing crazy happens, but she, she leaves that appointment. And, uh, uh, I think it was either that week or a couple weeks later, uh, experienced, uh, deliverance in the truck, man. She had something came up and out of her and she called me and she was crying and screaming, and 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 I am just super cynical still because yeah. I've never seen that happen with my eyes. Um, you know, I'm reformed and <laughs> and whatnot, and and just anything I can do to talk myself out of my yeah. wife actually experiencing uh, the touch of God. And so she is like fully on board now. She's like, wow, uh, whatever happened in that truck, and she was by herself. You know, the Lord did something for her. And so she she follows me around for a couple of weeks. We end up in a hotel room, and uh, I had drugs on me. And the you know our kids are uh, with family members. We never used around the kids and whatnot. Yeah. So it had been probably ten days. And she's like, "Honey, we have to go home. You got to get help. You got to go yeah. to rehab." And and so we get in this hotel room, and all of a sudden we hear banging on the door, and just bam, 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 Mr. Hartle, Mr. Hartle. And and she's like looking at me because she's hearing the same thing. And I'm like, we start crying. We hit the floor and thinking that we're going to get in trouble. We're going to get arrested. And so this knocking keeps happening. This knocking keeps happening. People are yelling and we sit down on the floor and we go to the bathroom. We I flush my drugs and, and, and flush things and get rid of things that are still banging and still banging. This banging goes on for about 10 minutes. And so we start to cry and, and get down on our faces and we're praying, God, forgive us for this, forgive us for this, and just repenting. And before we know it, we're like, Dude, this is still going on. Like, what, what is this sound? And um, I attribute this to this day. I believe it was angels of some right. sort. Um, I had gone through hallucinations where I had heard things on my own. My wife had never heard the same thing, but we were experiencing the same thing at the same time. Whatever this was, it led to, again, you know, repentance. And so I crawl up on this bed and I start to convulse and fall asleep and you can still hear the banging. And my wife starts to pray over me. And she said she didn't know what to do aside from what the pastor prayed over her. She asked if there was any unclean spirits present. And this is where our life took a total turn. Um, I sat up in that bed and my eyes rolled back and these spirits started identifying themselves 
uh, spirit of murder and spirit of lust, spirit of perversion. And my wife would say, get out and go to the pit. And dude, I would black out. I'd wake up on the ground all over this hotel room. I'm talking about across in the corner and on this side, back up on the bed. And I'm feeling like I'm getting hit by a car. Like something's throwing me around like a rag doll. And when I was coming to, I was looking at my wife and her eyes were like, like silver dollars. She yeah. was like, wow. That's all I can remember. She looked excited. She looked fearless. And I know now, because of course we've talked about it, uh, she experienced the power of God. Yeah. And so um, it went on for like two hours, one after another, after another. So finally I just begged her to stop. I said, like, my ribs and my stomach were hurting so bad. And I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I could remember her say, are there unclean spirits present? And then I would black out. And then I would wake up um, when she was, you know, finished praying, you know. And and uh, and it just it blew our minds, man. We got up that morning and checked out of that hotel room. And I'm sure we just looked absolutely <laughs> like totally frazzled. I, I still remember like uh, waking up after about a two hour nap at checkout time and being like, did anybody hear that? Like, um, and it just blew our minds, man. Yeah. Um, our entire lives have been changed from what happened in that hotel room uh, in so many aspects. Like um, the Lord saved me from suicide at that time. Uh, he saved me from whatever sort of stupid accidents that I could have put myself into. You know, it, it, it was it was like a time where he did what he had to do to save me from, I believe, death. Yeah. You know, um, we didn't go to a deliverance ministry. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, we didn't. I might have been fasting, but it, it wasn't on purpose, yeah. you know, and the power of God was experienced in that room. And so uh, at this time, we were kind of in this. We were kind of like afraid to tell people, you know, yeah. and still very tentative to tell a lot of people, you know, but we started to tell family members because we were like, listen, what's going to happen is some of these people are going to believe us and some are going to say, oh, you were on drugs and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And so uh, the numbers were about split. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. And and what it boils down to, I believe, is the story is about Jesus. Yeah. And so when when we said that the power of Jesus was alive and well in that room, despite my sin, uh, that he that he saved me while I was still a sinner, yeah. uh, literally in 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 a supernatural way that day, uh, it divided households. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it scared away some family members and uh, some of our older kids who have now seems like they're returning to the Lord, which yeah. is amazing. Praise God and it, for that. Yeah, man, it's just like a bomb of like. I mean, honestly, kind of weirdness, right? Yeah. Like amazing um, miracle, but strange. Yeah. The thing is, is I, I wish that that was like one and done, right? Uh, but it wasn't, man. Yeah. You know, I, I continued to press that, not to that um, extent, you know, but I, I had used after that and experienced uh, another, my wife actually did the same thing, man. And, and I don't know... Actually, I do know. I know that the Lord put us together uh, for many reasons, but I know that her being in my life and whatever uh, gift that the Lord had given her um, 
to to perform this miracle in Jesus' name, you know, with the Holy Spirit, you know, rushing through her, man, has has saved my life on several events. Uh, and so, really, since then, it's just been um, less and less drug use and more sober time, and just realizing and, and letting the Holy Spirit kind of teach me what I can and what I cannot do. Uh, I've never returned to uh, the amount of depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts that I had at that time. Uh, and so, man, the Lord just did a work and yeah. continued to do a work uh, a few times after that. Sure. He continues to do a work yeah. inside of me. Yeah. So, well, man, I would love to hear, you know, I, I do... I do love the tension of this part of the story yeah. in that um, I know that people who are watching or people who are listening who who are bent either a little bit more cynical in nature yeah. or just they, they would just read their Bible different. They, they have not seen anything like that or experienced anything like that. And so... They, their mind will go, oh, man, that's probably a reaction to the drugs or mm -hmm. a bad trip or a bad. But I've watched you grow in a fear of the Lord. Yeah. And I've watched you grow in external moral holiness. I heard Ben Stewart years ago use this illustration of he had bought a house and um, the yard was a wreck. And he got out there and he just, and he worked his tail off on the yard. And it looked so much better. But it still need it said still had so much farther to go. <laughs> yeah. And he talked about how people might roll up to his yard and look and be like, dang, that yard needs some work without any idea of how much work had already been done. And mm -hmm. again, to say it again, I I love getting this seat to to watch the Lord working in your life. But he, here's how I'd love to kind of close out our time together. Um if if someone is in that spot that you've been describing, honestly, since we sat down. Um, where there's a roller coaster ride of depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, ideation, addiction, that whirlwind. And they're listening and there have been parts of your story. They're really like, oh man, I've been there. I've, I've been on that bathroom floor. I've, I've been in that hotel room and I hate myself for it. And I turn back to the Lord for it. And then I think, man, there's been significant breakthrough. It's not going to happen again. And then I stumble again. And then what, what, what would you say to the man or the woman who's listening right now? And so much of what you've described resonates with them, but maybe they have not, they are not where you are sitting here today in regards to the freedom from those things and the compulsion of those things being something that the Lord's helped them manage at this point. Do you have any words for them, encouragement for them as they listen to the end of this here? I believe what what is different uh, now from years ago is is a is a healthy fear of the Lord. Yeah. Um, which nothing changed my life and created a healthy fear for the Lord, like Himself, obviously, right? Yeah. So He He instilled some of that, but also reading the Word of God. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, it began with getting into recovery programs when I was younger. Um, and then the Lord just kind of showed me more, right? Yeah, it's good to be sober, obviously, and like be sober minded, is what Peter said. Uh, because he, you know, the devil's a crouching, yeah, yeah, you got an enemy. Line, yeah. But the thing is, is like, um, there's so much more to learn about God. And so the more that I read, uh, about the Lord, um, he, he's basically just put me in corners with the word, 
who has held me to accountability, uh, taught me about the fear of the Lord, um, reading Christ's words, yeah. like reading the gospels has probably changed me more than anything. So sure. over the last two or three years, like I've just made it a point to read, you know, the gospels because I hear a lot of Pauline scripture, uh, but to read Jesus's words, because some of those words are hardcore, man, they're yeah. harsh. Uh, it really makes me think like, if I believe, um, if I truly believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and this is his word, uh, then why wouldn't I stay sober? Yeah. I mean, he, he literally talks about coming back and catching you, yeah. right? And cutting you in two. And, <laughs> and it's like, uh, I'm serious though. You know, those, those scriptures and really taking them to heart has changed, um, it has changed everything. And I can't really, I can't really attribute that to my hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah. The Lord instilled the hunger and thirst to read his word. But just if, if I was one of those people, uh, like I have been, um, it would be to, to of course, work your program and, and try to get clean and sober, but open your Bible. Yeah. You know, and like really ask yourself, uh, do you take everything in here as though it is a hundred percent factual? Right. Yeah. So like, um, I may have read about Jesus casting out demons and, and the apostles doing stuff like that, but it just kind of, it just didn't fall into the category of Jesus dying on the cross. Yeah. Right. I know that he died sure. on a cross. Yeah. I know he was born in Bethlehem, but you know, you tell me about a third of his ministry casting out demons and it's like, I wanted to ignore that. Yeah. And so that's, that's like a specific example. Um, and then just, realizing that the discipline that you may be experiencing, right? So when you are on the bathroom floor and you got blood all over your arms and you've let your family down again and, and the depression is uh, increasing. And if, if, if it means that it leads you to repentance, then you are experiencing the discipline of the yeah. Lord. You know, that, that right there already means that you're being loved if you've stopped using and you're wanting to, if you're listening to this podcast, who is about overcomers through Jesus Christ, you are being loved already. Yeah. You know, if you, if you are holed out and you feel beat up and, and man, the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves the most. That's right. You know, that's what Hebrew says. Yeah. So, uh, really just that it just accepting the Lord's discipline is love. Um, continues to change my life and mold yeah. my life and really realizing just how specific the Holy Spirit is now. Yeah. Uh, like I said, since, since, since that session in the, in the, in a hotel room, that miracle, not that session, that miracle in the hotel room, there's still been, you know, I've messed up in places, you know, I've had to block things on my phone and I've had to not drink and not smoke weed or whatever. I've fell in certain places, but just realizing that the Holy Spirit is so specific in the way that he loves me, yeah, you know, uh, all the way down to not looking at, you know, certain YouTube shorts that may not have any sort of sexual or drug content yeah. at all, but there's just something strange about it. Yeah. Like he's that specific. And yeah. so just being attuned to the spirit. I like but, it. Yeah. Well, listen, if you're listening to this, um, I, I wanted to just end by reminding you that there's a very real enemy that wants to destroy you. He wants you to kill yourself. He yeah. wants you to surrender to the despair that you feel. 
Um, and I just want to encourage you with Tyler's story and with just a couple of words to just keep getting up, keep pressing into those you know who love Jesus, keep opening the scriptures, keep crying out uh, for the intervention of God in your life. Find a find a program that can help you and try to hold you accountable. Yeah. And if, if this is another 15 years for you, I would just say I the the scriptures testify that what the Lord has for you is freedom. Um, and I, I think, unfortunately for many, it, it takes a, a long time for us to get there uh, for our own stubbornness, our own foolishness, and then in the deeper places, our own hurts and um, and, and tendency towards rebellion. And so yeah. hope Tyler's encouraged you today. Uh, I'm praying for you and eager for the victory of Christ in your life. Uh, and so thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Overcomers. I have one more verse. Can I say Got it. Get that. Hey, we always have room for a verse. Those who endure to the end will be saved. Will be saved. There yeah. it is. All right. Well, God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, Pastor Matt, hope that you enjoyed this episode of The Overcomers. You find your heart more encouraged in the Lord, uh, more dedicated to his kingdom. Uh, just want to remind you, if you found this helpful in, in this season of life, I this is what I want to do. I want to encourage your heart. I want to lift up your eyes and, and let you behold the beauty of Jesus. Uh, and so on top of The Overcomers podcast, uh, also started a website, just pastormattchandler.com. Uh, and on my website, there's all sorts of resources, but but you can also um, sign up for a monthly newsletter where I'm just trying to wring from the scriptures um, encouragement for your souls. And so you, there are two different newsletters. There's one for um, just everyday Christians seeking to be faithful where they are. And then there's, a, there, there's another newsletter uh, for pastors and church leaders. Uh, and so sign up for either one of those or both of those. Uh, but man, look forward to staying in contact with you. God bless you.